Podcast disclaimer. For all of those students studying this lesson through one of our podcast outlets, while podcasts are effective for training on the go, we believe the best way to study aviation is through visual learning. That being said, it may be beneficial to study this lesson through our video presentations at wifi.cfi.com to experience the visual representations for deeper understanding. Thanks for studying with us. Wi-Fi CFI. Hello students and welcome to our aeronautical decision-making lesson, ADM by Wi-Fi CFI. For today's lesson, it's going to be a quick one. We're going to cover aeronautical decision-making, analytical decision-making, the decide model, automatic decision-making, operational pitfalls, and the 3P model. It's going to be about 10 to 15 minutes from the following slides. And then as always, you've got the quiz back on Wi-Fi CFI.com afterwards. And the sources we're using for today's lesson is the risk management handbook. So let's go ahead and get started with it. First, what is ADM? The definition of ADM is a systematic approach to the mental process used by pilots to consistently determine the best course of action in response to a given set of circumstances. In other words, it's just a good way to make consistent, safe decisions. There's different models that we're going to go through today, and it just helps you go through a nice, easy flow process to make the best decisions for each different scenario or risk or hazard that you're going to encounter on your flights. Now, on the right-hand side of the screen here, we can see that we've got two different models. Essentially, we have A on the left-hand side is analytical. We're going to go through this model here in just a minute, and we're going to go through the automatic and or naturalistic. The difference between the two is that analytical decision-making takes time and evaluation. So if you have time to deal with a risk or a hazard or an emergency, you can use the analytical, the one, the chart here on the left. We'll go through this process to figure out the desired outcome and how we're going to deal with whatever the risk or hazard is. Automatic decision-making, on the other hand, is reflexive. These are things that you've been taught in your pilot training and you use reflexes or quick memory items to get through and deal with the scenario, the risk or the hazard very quickly. So you don't have all that time. Maybe it's a, you know, you, you lose your engine right after takeoff or something and you don't have a lot of time to sit and go through all the different types of scenarios and situations that could happen. You just have to go through it very quickly and reflexively. Okay, so we're gonna go over these two different models along with some other models, but these two are what we're mostly gonna focus on in today's lesson here. So let's start with the analytical decision-making one. Now this is the same chart seen on the previous slide. I've just kind of blown it up, give it some animations so that you can see uh, the differences and we can talk about it more in depth. So with analytical decision-making, this is how it works. You first have a situation, some kind of situation occurs and that situation can occur to the pilot, to the aircraft, in the environment, or it could be an external factor. Now, where have you guys seen these before? Pilot, aircraft, environment, and, and external factors. This is the PAVE checklist from the previous lesson that we did on Wi-Fi CFI. So you've got a situation and it's gonna affect some part of the PAVE checklist. Again, that's the pilot, aircraft, environment, or external factors. You will then detect whatever the situation was. So a situation occurs and then you have to make sure that you're able to detect that situation. So you've gotta be aware of everything that's going on around you. After you detect whatever the situation is, you're going to evaluate. Some of the things you're going to evaluate are the risk or hazard, what are the possible outcomes, uh, your pilot capability, you know, what has your training made you capable of doing, uh, 
the aircraft's capability, and outside factors such as the external factors here. So after evaluating all those different areas, we'll come up with some solutions. You could have solution A, B, C, or D. You could have multiple different solutions, multiple different game plans to deal with this situation. You will then go ahead and implement solution A and then move on to solution B if solution A doesn't work. For instance, if the problem remains after implementing solution A, we're going to go back up, as we can see in our chart here, from the implementation side, we're going to go back up to detection evaluation, we'll reevaluate, we'll come up with some more solutions and we'll implement those solutions to try and get the situation, uh, problem, risk, hazard, whatever it may be, to go away. We're trying to deal with it, okay? So that's analytical decision-making. Remember, this is the kind of process you're gonna go through in your mind when you have time to think about multiple different types of solutions, multiple different outcomes, and then choose the best one and implement it. The D-side model provides a six-step process for the pilot to logically make good aeronautical decisions. Now, the D-side model is essentially a sub-model of the analytical decision-making model we just talked about. So here are some things that you can do to decide on those different risks and those different solutions. The D in D-side stands for detect. Okay, we need to detect the change or hazard. If we don't detect that there's a change or hazard, then we're not going to act appropriately if we don't even know that something's happening. E is to estimate. We need to estimate the need to react to the change. Now, needs are going to be different. Sometimes, if it's a if it's a very uh, sorry a very serious situation, then we're going to need to react. We can't just ignore it. We need to react, and maybe we need to react quickly, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But maybe it's not a very big deal, right? Maybe it's something that's super small. And we might not even need to react to the change. C is we're going to choose. So we're going to choose a desirable outcome for the flight. Okay, what do we want to do based on the information that we now have? I is we're going to identify. So we're going to choose actions that can control the change. So whatever the change was, we need to identify the different solutions and the different actions that we're going to implement to control what's ever going on. D is do. We're going to then do. We need to take the action that we've identified on taking. And finally, we're going to evaluate the outcome of our implementation, see if it worked. If not, go back through the model again. So that's the decide model, D-E-C-I-D-E, -E, detect, estimate, choose, identify, do, and evaluate. Now let's go into the automatic decision-making. Remember, this is when you don't have a lot of time to think of a whole bunch of different solutions and outcomes. Again, something is going to happen to either the pilot, aircraft, environment, or external factors. This is our paid checklist. We need to be able to detect that a change or hazard occurred. We'll then evaluate. Some of the things we're going to evaluate in automatic decision-making are the risk to the flight. How risky is this? How much hazard is it presenting? The pilot training and the pilot experience. So do you have the training and the experience to deal with whatever the situation is? We'll then pick our desired outcome, whether that be heading to the nearest airport to land or declaring an emergency on the radio with ATC, and we're gonna take the necessary action. So you can see that the automatic decision-making model here is essentially a shrunken or a smaller model of the analytical decision-making model because we don't have all that time to evaluate different options. If the problem still remains after we take action, we're gonna go back, choose a new desired outcome, and then take action again. Doesn't work again find a new desired outcome and take action and just continue to do 
that loop until you've ex essentially exhausted your resources or a safe outcome has uh, been achieved. So that's our automatic decision-making process. Next, we have some operational pitfalls. Now, these are traps that pilots fall into. Now, there's a lot of operational pitfalls. However, these are some of the more common ones, especially for newer pilots. Uh, older pilots alike, but mostly more common to the newer pilots. And you can avoid these very simply, but when you don't have the pilot training or the experience, you can fall into them very easily as well. So let's go over what a couple of these are. The first one is scud running. That's what it looks like. It's attempting to fly lower and lower underneath the clouds to maintain visual contact with the surface. So maybe you took off and now you're getting too high or the clouds are getting lower and lower and you continue to fly lower and lower and lower to stay underneath the clouds so that you can see the surface, whether that, that be the ground or obstacles, whatever it may be. This can be very dangerous because as you continue to fly lower and lower, especially if the clouds are getting lower and lower and lower, you're either gonna box yourself in or you're gonna run into some sort of obstacle. So dangerous. Important thing to do here with scud running is if those clouds start to get lower and lower, either turn around or find the nearest place to land. But scud running is not an option that you ever really wanna take. Get there-itis is the next one, and we talked about this a lot in our last lesson, but this is the need to make it to the destination. Whether that need be a personal need or external pressures, again, we talked about this, you know, the boss putting pressure on your family members or you wanting to achieve a particular goal. But when you have this get there-itis, you can ignore different steps of the decide model because you just want to get the job done. You just want to be done with it. You want to be done with your day, whatever that might look like. Flying VFR into IMC is a lot like scud running, but scud running is when you stay underneath the clouds. Flying VFR and IMC is when you actually fly into the clouds, okay? Especially dangerous if you're not an instrument-rated pilot and you're not on an instrument flight plan. So never do this. If you're flying VFR, don't fly into instrument conditions as you can see this pilot did. Okay, he flew into the clouds here. When you do that, you don't know where terrain is. You can lose situational awareness. You can lose control of the aircraft. You can hit another aircraft that's flying in the clouds. So don't fly VFR into IMC. And we're going to talk about what VFR and IMC is and all the different rules of those things in our National Airspace System lesson coming up soon. A couple more. We have loss of situational awareness. Now, again, this can happen when we fly VFR and IMC. This is when a pilot essentially loses awareness of where he or she is. So now they don't know where they're at. They're lost. Or when a pilot loses awareness of the aircraft's attitude. You don't know if you're banking left or right, you're pitching up or down, what your airspeed is, you're losing awareness of the situation or of the flight environment that you're flying in. This can be particularly dangerous because when you lose situational awareness, besides just getting lost and running into an obstacle, you can also lose control of the aircraft very quickly. That's why it's important to have that instrument training and or avoid IMC conditions or flying outside of the envelope, okay? Attempting to operate the aircraft outside of the aircraft's performance capabilities. Now, every aircraft can perform to a certain level, but when pilots try to push that envelope or try to operate an aircraft above or beyond the level that the aircraft can perform at, obviously we're gonna have accidents and incidents. And we're gonna go deep into operating outside the envelope in our performance and limitations lesson again, coming up later, but we just wanted to get this out there here in this lesson. Don't operate outside of the envelope of the performance capabilities for the aircraft. 
Then lastly, we've got the 3P model. In order to make any assessment of risk, a pilot must be able to see and sense their surroundings. Remember, we talked about it at the very beginning. If you don't detect that there's a hazard, a change, or a problem exists, then you're not gonna be able to deal with it. So the 3P model helps us to detect those things. And this is what it looks like. Okay, so the three Ps, we've got perceive, process, and perform. For perceive, we're just gonna perceive the given set of circumstances for a flight. We're using our five senses to perceive whatever information we can get. The next P is to process by evaluating their impact on flight safety. So now we're gonna think about it. How is this gonna impact my flight? What hazards and risks are being imposed here? And last P is perform. We will then implement the best course of action for the safest outcome possible. That's the 3P model. Perceive, process, and perform. So that was a quick little lesson today. For a lesson summary, the study of ADM and models for decision-making while in flight is only a precursor to practical application. One can say that understanding these concepts is superior to being able to state them in a precise order or with absolute accuracy. It's more important to understand these concepts than to have them memorized. Now, having them memorized might help you pass a written test or a check ride, but simply only having them memorized is not really gonna help us in flight. We need to understand how these things work, implement them every time we go fly, practice and practice and practice so that we can always make safe decisions for our flights. So now you can head over to wifi.cfi.com and take the lesson quiz. This is the first slide of the quiz here. And as you can see, whatever you put into this first slide, you can go ahead and put your name and then whatever email address you put right here will receive a copy of your quiz score. So some students elect to put their instructor's email address right here. You can put your own email address, whatever email you want, you can put right here and they will get a copy of all the questions you got right and wrong for this quiz. So thanks for joining us on this lesson, guys, and we will see you on the next lesson soon.